Teresa Rowe. To find out more about Shape by Faith and Teresa Rowe, please visit shapebyfaith.com or visit the YouTube channel, Facebook, or Instagram. And now, here is Teresa Rowe. Welcome to Shape by Faith, where we shape our bodies and hearts for God's purposes. My guest today is Eugene Bach. He is a very special guest. He's been working with the underground church in China for more than 15 years, helping them to establish forward mission bases in closed countries around the world, including Iraq and Syria. Eugene leads a Chinese mission movement called Back to Jerusalem which provides essential support for Chinese missionaries in Africa, Asia, and the Middle East. And he's written books about the underground church in China, North Korea, and Iran, as well as Sudan. Eugene is the author of the new book, which he's going to talk about today. It's called Shackled. It's the stunning true story of a courageous young mother who was willing to face death rather than deny her faith. Eugene, welcome to Shape by Faith. Thank you so much. I, I, it is such a joy to be here with you and to talk about the life of an amazing woman that, uh, that is shared in the book Shackled. Thank you. Absolutely. And, and her story is, it is so amazing. I cannot wait for our listeners uh, to hear you share it. I wanted to ask you first, how did you get involved with Back to Jerusalem and what is back to Jerusalem. You know, it's, it's interesting because um, in the introduction, it, one of the things I, I rarely look at anymore uh, is that it says that I've been working in China for about 15 years. That was written almost 10 years ago. Oh, my I've goodness. Long, <laughs> well over 20 years by now. But uh, I actually was brought into back to Jerusalem because my wife, when we were living in California in the 90s, my background is in the, in the U.S. military. So I was in the Marine Corps. I was based out of Camp Pendleton. And my wife got this notebook from China about a Chinese evangelist that became known as the Heavenly Man. And she took that writing from a notebook that was smuggled out of China about his life story and she put it into a, a computer so that it could be written in a book. And after I read that book, I was, I was sold. Uh, I, my wife and I both felt called to go and serve the Back to Jerusalem movement in China, which is a movement that is coming out of the revivals inside of China. For, their, for your listeners that are not aware, mm-hmm. today China is experiencing the world's largest revival by far. You're talking about anywhere between 28,000 to 30,000 people coming to Christ in China every single day. Oh, wow. And out of that revival, yeah, it is, it is the biggest news that is not being reported on. Uh, and, it, and it really does contribute to the persecution that we're seeing right now because the number of Christians in China outnumbers the number of Communist Party members in China, which causes the concern. But with those revivals that are taking place, there is this vision to complete the Great Commission. And the areas that have yet to hear the good news of Jesus Christ are between China and Jerusalem. So the Back to Jerusalem vision really is the Chinese version of the Great Commission where the Chinese believe that they are to go from, every, from country to country, village to village, person to person, preaching the good news. Oh, wow. I mean, that, I mean 28,000 people a day. That's huge. About a million a month. I don't, even know if we, I don't even know if we have that going on right now in the U.S. 
right now what you are seeing is, I mean, if you look at the early 1930s, um, we had about 700,000 people that were that were Christians inside of China. That was the last number that we had before Mao Zedong. 1997 was almost 20 million. Wow. From 1997, there was an explosion where we saw over 65 million, according to Pew Research in 2011. And Purdue University did a research in 2018 saying there's 115 to 120 million. So oh, you're wow. talking about almost a million a month coming to Christ. Those are conservative numbers. Unbelievable. Okay, Eugene, give us your background in working with the underground church in China. What is your responsibility? What do you do? <laughs> I am the <laughs> troublemaker in chief. I, uh, I Basically, the Chinese are having revival. They were having revival long before I got there. Uh, their revival has nothing, absolutely nothing to do with me being there. Um, I just, I'm loving what God is doing. I feel it is a privilege to serve in whatever way they want me to serve. And I have been trying to pretend to be a historian as of late and have written <laughs> several books about the underpinning, the, the workings, the kind of the mechanisms that are turning during this, this revival. So I spend a lot of time in Africa, the Middle East, and Asia, uh, starting up businesses, humanitarian projects that provide platforms for missionaries from China to get into closed countries to preach the gospel. Unbelievable. So in a nutshell, that's kind of what I do. Well, that's, I would say that's, that's a lifetime's work. So that's all through Back to Jerusalem? Yes, and just serving together with the Chinese. And the great thing about working with the Chinese is that they're accepted everywhere. So when you go into a place like Afghanistan, Iran, Iraq, Saudi Arabia, Sudan, Somalia, uh, there are Chinese communities in every one of those nations that are quite sizable. So uh, getting around using English, maybe not so possible. Getting around using Chinese, every day I'm able to do it. So it is a blast working together with the Chinese. And the fact is, for generations, the Chinese have been labeled as being Taoist, Confucianist, mm -hmm. Buddhist, and because of communism, atheists, but never as Christians. So they're not really viewed as that much suspicion when they go into countries like Sudan. Sudan is a country that I've been working in for more than a decade, and that's where I met Miriam. Okay, we're gonna, and we're going to hear about Miriam. So um, Miriam's a hero of faith who is in prison, beaten, and sentenced to death by hanging in Sudan for her belief in Jesus Christ. So give us her background before her arrest and how the both of you connected. Before her arrest, you're talking about a woman that is just a, a walking testimony. So she was born in a refugee camp to a refugee mother and a father that was on the run for murder. Uh, in that environment, she, she saw a lot of obstacles and she was just drawn to the faith of her mother, which was from Ethiopia, who was a Christian. But because of the laws of Sudan, she was considered to be a Muslim because her father was a Muslim which is the law in Sharia law that if your father's a Muslim, you are a Muslim. Okay. So in her, as she was growing up, she refused to accept the Shahada in school, and she was an excellent student, but she was kicked out of school for not accepting the Shahada, which is the claim that there's no God but Allah and Muhammad is his prophet. She refused to say that. She, she stayed with the faith of her mother, which was uh, belief in Jesus, and she could have taken either way. In fact, her brother 
did take another way. Most people don't realize that uh, that um, Osama bin Laden set up his training camps in Sudan. He moved to Sudan, and her brother went to one of those camps to train uh, with the Muslim extremists to be a member of al-Qaeda. Oh, wow. In every way, she should have been, uh, she should have chosen a different lifestyle, but uh, she felt that God was calling her. She was an excellent student. She became friends with uh, nuns and a priest that took interest in her, and they were able to help her go through school and then eventually go to medical school where she became a medical doctor. Phenomenal woman, amazing testimony. And, you know, the the Lord had his hand, of course, you already know this, had his hand upon her and knew her story because he wrote it. But her obedience is just out of the ordinary because of the circumstances she was in. Um, so men, the Muslim men there, they can marry any woman of any faith. They don't have to marry a Muslim woman. They can marry a, a woman of any faith and all of the children become Muslim by birth. A Muslim woman is, can only marry a Muslim man, according to the Sharia law. Okay, that doesn't sound really fair, but, you know, that's not <laughs> up to me. Um, and, and I do want you to explain the meaning of Sharia law, and you, and you have broken that down. Um, and obviously this impacted Miriam and, and, of course, the other women who have to live under it. Um, but, but what is it? Um, can, you, can you give us some more examples yeah, Sharia law is very easy. It is the it is the Islamic law as determined by the highest clergy members, as following in the footsteps of Muhammad. It is absolutely inseparable from Muhammad. So it it dictates every part of your life, and and Sharia law is is very very strict, and it is based on the life and the teachings of Muhammad. Okay. All right. Well, we're going to take a really quick break here, everyone. So when we come back, you're going to hear more from Eugene and Miriam's story. Everyone stay tuned. Welcome back to Shape by Faith. We shape our bodies and hearts for God's purposes. I am so honored and blessed to have Eugene Bach as my guest. And he is with Back to Jerusalem. And Eugene, the story um, you're sharing with me about Miriam and, and your life, as well, um, being obedient to the Lord. That's what you're doing. And then you are sharing Miriam's story as well. So let's get into her story a little bit more. Why was she arrested in 2013? She was arrested. Now, the, the, the spoiler alert. So anybody that doesn't want the spoiler alert, this, is, this will give a little bit of information. Uh, she was arrested because the government had discovered that she was a believer from individuals that came from a family that she did not know she had. Her father was a Muslim, and Muslim men in, in Sudan are known for having multiple families, and sometimes the families may not know about each other. And oh, wow. This family, I think, believed that they should have an inheritance, a, a dowry that should have been paid for her to them. And so when they found out that she was a believer, they felt that that made her marriage null and void. And so they took their case to the, to the court. The court agreed that her marriage was not legal. Uh, she, they agreed that she should be a Muslim and that she, and, and apostasy is against the law. Apostasy meaning she's not allowed to have any other faith except for Islam. Apostasy is punishable by death. And so when she was discovered to not be a Muslim, as she should be, 
that's when she was arrested and thrown into prison. Oh, wow. Well, that's, that is the definition of a dysfunctional family right there. If you're going to turn in your family member, I mean, really, that, that is incredible. Okay, so she's arrested 2013. Um, what about her husband? What happened to him? So her husband is from South Sudan. So your listeners that are familiar with the split between Sudan and South Sudan, South Sudan has a lot of tribal groups that are traditionally Christian. So they are allowed to be Christian. Um, she was not allowed by law to marry her husband, which was a Christian. And he was also an American citizen. Oh, okay. Uh, not by birth. He had immigrated to America. And uh, when they were married, it was considered by Sudanese law to be illegal because a Muslim woman, which she was considered whether she liked it or not, mm -hmm. was not allowed to marry a Christian man. Now, her husband, who was a Christian, was arrested but he was released after it was determined that he had been a Christian from birth. Okay. Where did she meet her husband? She met her husband through a good friend in university and church camp uh, that she had been caring for. There was a young lady that was handicapped, and so there's this giving nature in Miriam uh, almost from birth. You can see it taking care of her younger siblings, taking care of her mother, taking care of others. She was really the protector and guardian over so many people in her life, and so when she sees this young lady uh, that is in a wheelchair, uh, she takes upon herself to kind of become a good friend and a caregiver, and this was the sister to her husband. And this, this sister introduced the two of them, and they got married soon after their introduction. Oh, wow, that's a beautiful story. Um, okay, so Miriam's arrested. She's in prison. She's pregnant. Is that correct? She is, and nobody knows it, not even her. And it was actually her pregnancy that ends up supernaturally saving her life. So when she goes to prison, executions in Sudan are not in Ameri like in America where you have a repeal process that can take years or decades. Uh-uh. They, exe they execute the process extremely fast uh, within days, maybe even hours. Oh, my goodness. Um, they, they, they will conduct the execution. However, before the execution, she was accused of being insane. So because of her boldness, she did certain things like, for instance, you're not allowed to look at the judge in the courtroom. Mm. And this bold lion in the courtroom, <laughs> as a woman, she's not allowed to look at a man in the eye and she's not allowed to look at the judge in the eye. She looks at the judge and says, I'm not guilty. Uh, she refuses to take guilt or blame. The judge tells her to stop talking to accept Islam, that is her religion, and she says no, and she defies him openly. And so everybody in the courtroom says, this woman is possessed. She's got to be nuts. She's got to be crazy. So they send her to a psychiatric evaluation to see if she's indeed <laughs> of a sane mind, because nobody in a, in a sane state of mind would do what Miriam's doing. But she did it in this boldness. It's a boldness and, of the uh, Lord for sure. And during that during that medical checkup for her sanity, they found that she was pregnant. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so do they not execute pe women who are pregnant? Or how did that work? They don't. Yeah, so they have a law that they can't execute the, her till she has her baby. So first, they, they, she, once she is determined that she's not going to accept the shahada, they sentence her to 100 lashes and death by hanging. So you're talking about a woman who's in, by the way, when she goes to prison, I haven't mentioned this yet, but it's an important piece of the story. She's a mother of an infant son. 
and the son, who is a, a year old, is in less than a year old, is in prison with her. Oh my goodness! So, uh, how so did that work? Is, <laughs> she is shackled mm. in prison mm-hmm. uh, with twenty-five pound shackles, and she has to, with these shackles, take care of her son with inadequate food, with unsanitary envi- with an unsanitary environment. Uh, she's having to protect her son. She's having to take care of her son. She's also got fellow prisoners who want her dead because they're also dedicated Muslims, and they hate her for being a Christian. So they tell her, when you fall asleep, we're going to kill your son. Oh, my goodness. And we're going to jump on your stomach. You will not have that baby in this prison. Your baby will die in your stomach before the baby's born. Were they in the the cell with her, Eugene? Were they they in there with her? Yeah, these are fellow prisoners. These are fellow prisoners. So she was beaten, abused tortured by fellow prisoners, by guards, and by the Islamic imams, the clergy members of of Sharia law. Unbelievable. Um, I mean, and I I spoke to you about this before the interview. Um, I've seen videos of you and Miriam together, and I told you she is such a God-fearing countenance about her. She is a joy about her. She doesn't have any victim uh, mentality about her. You can just tell. You know, the joy of the Lord is her strength. And uh, she's an incredibly brave woman, which you already know. And and, uh, we're going to talk about you and her coming to Owensboro, Kentucky, to Bellevue Baptist Church very soon in the month of March. I wanted to hear, um, I understand that the midwife attending Miriam in prison said that she actually died during her labor. Is that true? She did. And, uh, you know, my background is in the U.S. Marine Corps. I did two tours in the Persian Gulf. I'm a, I was a scout sniper. I have never met a person in my life as brave as Miriam Ibrahim. One of the, not one of the bravest woman, the bravest people. Not, not just woman, women, I, the bravest person I've ever met in my life. And um, she, when she gave birth, uh, when she was in labor, they refused, the, the prison guards refused to take the shackles off of her. So she had to be outside in the, in the prison yard, in the dirt. Mm. Uh, they shut off all the electricity. They would not allow any doctor to come in, and they would not allow her to go to any hospital or seek medical attention. They brought in a prison midwife. And the prison midwife was there. Not much she could do because she couldn't elevate the legs. She couldn't provide any medical care, nothing. And so while Miriam was given birth, one of the guards began to kick her and beat oh, her. Oh, gosh. And in that, in that beating, she lost consciousness. And according to the midwife, oh. she died and uh, came back to life. And it, that is just one of those, just one of the most miraculous things that happened to Miriam while she was in prison. There were so many things that happened to her that were supernatural and was a testimony mm-hmm. to other prisoners as well as the prison guards. You know, as I'm listening to you share her story, I'm, I'm reminded of Paul. I'm reminded of the disciples and what happened to them. Um, I, I mean, she, she reminds me very much of the early disciples you know, who spread the good news and they took the beatings and they did what they had to do and they endured for the sake of Christ. Um, her, her story should inspire everyone, should inspire everyone 
um, to look to Christ. We need to take a really quick break here. So when we come back, we're going to hear the rest of the story from Eugene Box. So everyone stay tuned for more Shape by Faith. Welcome back to Shape by Faith. We shape our bodies and hearts for God's purposes. Eugene Bach is with Back to Jerusalem, and he is telling, as in his own words, a story of bravery, a, a woman of faith, Miriam's story. And, and he wrote her story. Um, we want to hear, Eugene, how she got released from prison. How did that come about? A miracle. Um, you're talking about a situation where the American embassy had no interest in helping the ambassador that she appealed to because her children were American citizens. Her husband was an American citizen. The ambassador was uh, caught up in fraud, taking money from the Chinese government. It turns into this huge fiasco. There's actually spies working for Sudan inside of the American embassy that work when they're trying to get Miriam out to get her back into the hands of the government. It, it, this reads like a freaking novel that you would never in a million years believe is true. And in the end, what happens is you, the, the uh, Vatican sends uh, ambassadors to Sudan to petition on, on Miriam's behalf. The prime minister of Italy himself flies in on a, his own jet to uh, come in and help get Miriam out of prison. Wow. But it's down to the wire. There's a, there is a, a negotiation and fight over her uh, release. And so it's not, a, it's not an easy situation. And it's just, it, there's, this whole story is marked with event after event after event that are just unbelievable miracles. I can see this, um, your book being made into a movie. Everyone needs to read her story, and everyone needs to see her story. I mean, for the full impact, it's incredible. As I mean, I can see it um, in my own mind and imagery as you're as you're talking about it. What inspired you to write her story of faith? I I have a mutual friend together with her, but uh, I had been watching her case from the very beginning. So uh, we, as a as a group inside of China, uh, we have been praying for her. I've been working in Sudan, so I was intimately familiar with her case from the outside view. I mean, it was covered on BBC and CNN and Fox News. I'm telling you right now, if it wasn't covered by these massive mainstream news agencies, I wouldn't have believed it. I would not have believed the words that were coming out of her mouth. Uh, the fact that it's been verified because it was followed by news has been just such a huge help. So I met with her years after she was released, just blown away that her story hadn't been told. And she told me that, you know, her story had initially been told, but they, the, the, the people that were writing her story were not willing to share the, uh, the, the full truth about Sharia law. Mm -hmm. And she feels that her story cannot be told without sharing about Sharia law and the evils of Sharia law. Absolutely. And so uh, we began to talk, and to, tr to be honest, she never asked me to write the book, and I never asked to write the book. <laughs> it just started happening. And it felt natural. And as I started to write, it became supernatural. 
So it took me uh, only a matter of weeks. So I wrote the book in a couple of weeks, less than a month. And, uh, and it, it went, it's one of the fastest stories that ever came that I ever wrote because it just flowed out. It w- and when I read it today, I don't recognize the, the sentences that are strung together. Oh, wow. And that's a very short amount of time to write a book. I've written a book, Eugene. That's a very short amount. That is supernatural. That is God. What does Miriam want others to learn and understand from her story? She wants to highlight the persecution that's being swept under the rug that is not being covered uh, in mainstream media today. Uh, right now, Christians are the most oppressed, the most persecuted single group of people in the world today. There was just a report that came out uh, that shared that on the 2022 World Watch List, the WWL as it's called, which was just released last week, that says that there were there are currently 360 million Christians experiencing extreme persecution. 360. Wow. That's, that's up dramatically in 2022, or 2021 over 2020. Um, that word is not getting out there, and Miriam is hoping that her story will shed light on this that's taking place in these nations that are trying to keep this news from getting out. Wow. Okay, so you and Miriam are actually coming to Owensboro, Kentucky, March 17th. Is that correct? Yes, ma'am, and we're looking forward to it as well. Uh, we've been in, I've been in Owensboro before, together with Brother Yun, together with the Back to Jerusalem team, and we have shared there before, and we've had such a good time. So our good friends, um, against all their better judgment, have invited us back. So <laughs> we, are, we are excited to come back to Owensboro, Kentucky. Well, we're excited to have you here. Eugene, we have like one minute left in the show. Do you mind closing us out in prayer? Yeah, that would be that would be a real honor. Thank you for asking. Absolutely. God, you are so awesome. We thank you. We thank you for these stories of individuals like Miriam Ibrahim that can inspire us and let us know what we are capable of in you. That will allow us to know that we don't suffer persecution or rejection alone, that we have a company of believers that have been blessed by you. We thank you. We love you. In your holy name, together, we say that we are so thankful. Amen. Amen. Eugene, I I don't know what to say. I'm so inspired um, by what you're doing, Miriam's story. I'm so thankful for you, for her, for everyone um, in the underground church. And we say, God, have your way. But thank you so much for coming on Shape by Faith. Thanks for giving us this platform. Really appreciate it. And I, I, I pray that some of your listeners are able to join us. So thank you for, for giving us this opportunity. Absolutely. So March 17th at Bellevue Baptist Church, everyone. Everyone have a blessed day. I'm Teresa Rowe. Bye. Thank you for listening to Shape by Faith with Teresa Rowe. Remember to visit shapebyfaith.com to find out more about workouts, the TV show, podcasts, blogs, Shape by Faith products, and much more. From the cabinet doors and more studio.